You're listening to the Women as in Art podcast, and I am your host, Leah Schrager. Okay, welcome to Women as in Art. Today we have Penny Slinger with us. Welcome. I am so excited to talk to you. I have loved your work for quite some time. So thank you for being here. Thank you. Um, I'll, I'll start just by reading your bio and then we will continue into our discussion. So Penny Slinger, born 1947, London, UK, is a Los Angeles-based artist who has been exploring feminism, eroticism, and mysticism in her art for over 50 years. At the end of the 1960s, she decided to become her own muse and has embodies, and has embodies that concept over her long artistic career. Her early work was inspired by surrealism. She went on to study and incorporate Tantra into her life and work. She continues to work in many mediums, including collage, photography, drawing, sculpture assemblage, performance arts, and video, focusing on the liberation of the feminine. She is currently represented by Blum and Poe LA and Richard Salton UK. Um, welcome. I guess I'm going to start with the first question that came to mind actually for you, which I didn't send you in advance, but hopefully it's okay. And that's how has it been to work in so many different forms of media? Well, you know, at the time that I started working in different media, it wasn't really a thing as it is now. I mean, the art schools had their different departments and basically those departments were like boxes that you were really meant to stay inside. Well, mm. as I've always been rather keen on uh, breaking boxes and not liking being put in them, I uh, was happy to try and merge and blend and take the juice out of all these different uh, separate departments and start amalgamating them right from when I was a student at my first art school. My first art school was very craft orientated. So I used uh, things like pottery and weaving and book binding, mm. as well as my fine art disciplines of painting and sculpture. And I just started blending them and creating works that uh, not only used different media, but actually started cross-fertilizing them and blending mm. them. And I think that's really signified how I've worked all my life. Um, you know, the, the thoughts come out of the vision field, and then I can see them manifested in so many different ways. And so I'm just work with what I can and what I'm able to do at any one time. And um, when I was at art school, of course, there were lots of different media facilities available. So I used those very readily and enjoyed every moment of that. Wow. Um, what are what media are you medium are you currently working in or media <laughs> multiple or singular? I guess you could say that uh, the collage approach has been the backbone uh, of yeah. my creativity all these years. And I've been using photography as elements, photographic collage. That to me has been something that I've used all the way along. And although I can paint and I can paint 
the kind of detail I have the ability to do that, that you see on a photograph, the photographs seem to be just as much more easy, accessible way of recording that information and then using those elements and putting them together in new kind of combinations and new relationships. It just seemed that the uh, amount of fertile imagination and inspiration I had, I wanted something that would allow me to manifest as much as possible. Mm. And the painting technique just took much, much longer to manifest something because I love the kind of finesse of a surface, mm -hmm. you know, that not just the abstract or sketch-like aspect, which I also like, but I love that that final look. And of course, the photograph comes with that ready-made. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I would love to use photography all the way through. Uh, mm -hmm. But I do it in different ways and, um, you know, has used it as a, an element in the plastic arts rather than necessarily being a, a lens-based artist. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Have you been primarily creating artwork as your, um, let's say, lifestyle and income your entire career? Or have you done other things to supplement either of those? Oh, gosh. I have really based my life on trying to do my art because I found early on when I went to try and do jobs while I was on school from the holidays from art schools, I found that the hours would go by so slowly. It was the most <laughs> tedious time of my life. And yet when I'm working on something I love, the time flies by and there are never enough hours in the day. So at that point, I realized I really have to spend my time doing what I love. And I highly recommend that for everybody through yeah it's um if you do what you love it's the opposite from what people think in a society built on productivity and thinking that you have to be productive and therefore you have to be in a kind of slave labor to make you be productive in fact you're so much more productive when you're doing what you love you have endless and boundless energy so although it's been difficult and i can never say that i recommend the life as an artist as any kind of ability in your life to be producing income. Somehow I've managed to create my life around enabling me to do art most of the time. So, um, but I've also woven my life and my art together very intrinsically and uh, was never keen on this idea of, you know, the artist often their whatever ivory tower and they're doing something in their art, but it has no relationship to what their life is. I've always felt that it was a very living art experience. And so mm -hmm. the art documents my life and my life, what happens to me, what my relationships are, where I'm living, all interfaces and feeds my art. So it's very much mm -hmm. an interactive flow it has been in my life. That's beautiful. I, I just love that image of and that flow. How um can you tell me more about that? Like, give us an example of when, what was happening in your life uh, well, was, very, yeah. Yes, a very graphic example of that really is the project that took me about seven years to manifest and was ongoing throughout the 1970s. And that project is a series of photo collages in Typhoid and Exorcism 
which came out as a book of that title in 1977. And that book is really what was my own personal self-analysis at that point. I was trying to find who am I, why am I so um, torn in pieces, which I was at that time at the dissolving of a relationship with this man that I loved, a filmmaker Peter Whitehead, who I'd come hot out of art school and fallen in love with, and we'd gone off to make films together. And at the same time, uh, the collapse of the Women's Theatre Group, which was the first all-women theatre group in England, which I'd become a part of and done a mm. theatre production and a film. And then ah. that had fallen apart. And so these two things, these two events, left me feeling really bereft on both my male and female sides. And I had taken these photos of this large mansion house that I'd been to with Peter Whitehead in 1969. Um, we were going to do a film there, which never really materialized, but all these photos became then the basis for this series entitled An Exorcism, where I took the house as being the self and then enacting out all these different dramas, if you like, within the different rooms which were the parts of myself that I was trying to look at, bring the skeleton back to the cover and examine them, and also try and exorcise the things that were holding me back and liberate myself. And so this whole process was about those two relationships and then how I put those, that into this whole big series of artworks. And interestingly enough, I used Peter as the animus or the male archetype in that. So he was in a way playing himself, but then it was more archetypal even than just these two personal uh, individuals or my girlfriend Sue played the, uh, the female apart from myself in it. So this was a really tight integration between what was happening in my psyche and what I was creating with my heart. Yeah, those works are so iconic um, and striking um do so they're photographs that you took of the house and then are they layered with photographs also that you took where there are the other people or are those found images or a mix well in that particular uh series the first book i did 50 percent the visible woman mix very much mm -hmm. images i took myself images of me and stuff that i found in any place I could in the media and books, everything. Um, the second one, an exorcism, really focused mainly on photographs taken of me uh, or by me, but for me, for the project. And only a few random images were um, not done by me, say pictures of roses that, that came mm -hmm. in. Uh, I might right, have found right. in a, a roses catalog, but otherwise, right. It was myself, the main protagonist, myself and Sue and Peter, which, you know, we photographed each other, but did it all specifically to embody what I was trying to uh, resolve in the book. Yeah. That's beautiful. That is so beautiful. Um, I, uh, <laughs> Sorry, I'm looking at them now. I'm a little distracted. <laughs> They're great. Everyone should look at them right now. I'm looking at them hopefully in the right place, which is on your website, pennyslinger.com forward slash works forward slash, and then you click from there and exorcism. 
under photo collage, right? Is that the right spot for to see him at least some of them online? And incidentally, um, I am putting out next year with um, a publisher called Olga in UK, a version of the exorcism and exorcism, which I did at the end of the 70s and was going to be published by Dragon's Green, but then Dragon's Green didn't publish it because they published Mountain Ecstasy and that got burnt by British customs, thousands of copies, and so they didn't want to do the book anymore. But what it was, was a, a larger group of images. Uh, there were 99 in the published book, but then there were more that I'd done in the series, and these all went into the book, plus text. And I'm trying to tell the story to complement what's happening in the, the images. So it's still a completely photo roman, told wow. through the images, but I'm giving more depth and breadth by the words that I'm using to complement the images. And that book is coming out next year. Oh, that's really exciting. That's wonderful. Um, so let's see. Well, I guess let me get to some of my more standard questions um, and then we'll spin off from there. Um, and actually, one thing I'm really curious about to hear from you is how you feel the place of women in and or as art has changed over time and potentially across different media. From, let's yeah. say, when you first started making work to now, I would just love to hear from you how that how you've seen that progress. It has changed quite a lot because when I was trying to do my thesis at Chelsea College, that's when I came across the collages of Max Ernst and used that as my thesis subject. But in that process, I was really reviewing the history of art and so interested to know that the muse, and particularly the unclothed female figure, played such a predominant role in art from all over the world and uh, certainly in Western art, and have been there centrally all the way through, but nearly always as depicted by a man. Yeah. And so I thought, wow, this is so interesting, and um, what a challenge, because they're looking at one thing if they're looking at the woman as a muse. But what if one kind of turned the tables here, and instead of looking at, you're kind of looking in instead and reflecting and then showing in the depiction of the muse uh, something more in depth, not just how pretty she is on the outside, but something about how she really is. And I felt that this was a really missing part in art, so I took it upon myself to try and show that in what I did and put myself in both places at once as both subject and object and have practiced that all my life. And so at that time, I didn't really know many other women artists actively working. And when you look back now at the history of art, I see that different women in different places on the globe were working on things in similar kind of um, trajectories of their, of their own initiative in other places at that time. But right back then, we, we didn't have the internet. There wasn't really any way of knowing what was going on. So I felt that I was doing something and treading a very virgin uh, territory here. And that was exciting to me because I didn't want to do what had been done to anybody. 
And so that was the beginning of my career in art of trying to empower the feminine from the inside out and using myself as an example because I felt as a person I know best, much as Frida Kahlo commented on that too about her self-portraiture. And so that started then. And now, of course, we see that there are so many women who are in the, the art world trying to, and successfully, uh, showing themselves as art and owning that and being that. And I hope that, you know, the clarion call that I put out did have echoes and could ring out because I felt that women were so missing out and yeah. it wasn't just me. And if I could, you know, cut through this and try and show a different way, that this would be a damn good blueprint for people to be able to follow and to claim their right to self-identity, self-expression, mm -hmm. self-realization, self-liberation, all of these mm -hmm. things, you know, that mm -hmm. we have been missing for so long. Mm -hmm. So I see it is all in the field now that we're seeing this richness in terms of expression of the feminine. And I hope that it will um, grow and expand and that women will really be able to, to come into their, their power of self-expression. Uh -huh. I think that we need that so much and everyone needs to be able to express yeah. themselves, but we certainly do. Yes, yes. Um, why do you think you were... Why do you think no one that you had seen in books, let's say, had had done it before? Why had there been no muse as artist? Was it a societal well, restriction? Was it the art? What was it? We, of course, don't really know all the layers because history is something that's like written by conquerors, put it like that. And yeah. so therefore, we're getting the view that has remained, but we don't know. And more things are coming tonight as people delve mm -hmm. into the history of the feminine and what's happened. They found all these hidden artists that hadn't been shown. And mm -hmm. I know, for instance, when I was part of a show called Angels of Anarchy, which was a fabulous exhibition, the first one of female surrealist art, in the UK back in 2009, mm -hmm. which was seminal in bringing me back into the fine art world. I had uh. been kind of outside it for a number of years before uh. that. Um, uh. And what they told me, the curators, because it had been completely curated by women and it was all women in it, and it was a fabulous exhibition, very multimedia. Uh. But they said the difference they found in how, in, in exploring for the exhibition and how women's art was kept and how men's art was kept was so radical mm -hmm. and that the men's art was generally all archived and in, you know, precious places. <laughs> and the women's art, they had to go and pull the pieces out from underneath the ironing board. You know, <laughs> it was literally like that. Interesting. So oh. thereby hangs a tale um, of what secrets might be in others of right. women working behind the scenes but not being able to come to the mm -hmm. light of day mm -hmm. until now. Mm -hmm. Um, and who who are the artists that you have found out about who are working around the time you were, who you really like? Well, at the time, I really only knew Carolee Schneeman, yeah. 
because Carolee came over and we were involved in a lot of the same groups and mm. parties and events and showed our work together. So I knew her, but I didn't really know other artists from the time now. And of course, not one in particular, but there were different people. There was a whole movement going on over here, of course. And, um, you know, we all know Chicago and all of that, but there's, there was a lot happening here. And then, um, well, all over, really, there were different people doing different things. And um, for me, I would say, if we talk about women artists, that I still have um, one artist that I felt so strongly connected to, and that is Frida Kahlo. And of course, because she's become so popularized, it feels almost cliche to talk about her. But I, I didn't know of her work earlier in my career. I only really came across her work later. Although, interestingly, I did have one photocopy of a work of hers in my sketchbook at Chelsea, but I didn't know anything more about her. But I wow. liked it. it was what the water told me it's her in the bath, because I was doing a series of looking down at myself in the bath. And this was one I found as a reference. But, you know, what I've uh, loved about her is her absolute ruthless honesty mm -hmm. that is not is timeless and it's not um, traditional in any kind mm -hmm. of culture or any kind of um, perception other than self-perception in the way that she walked forward and I was just in Mexico and mm. went to her house which I've been wanting to do for a long time wow. and I, um, photographed and I made a presentation that I hope to do later this year oh, um, wow. of my connection to her really because as I say it may seem cliche because of her um, celebrity uh, but for me it's very real and mm -hmm. very deep so I think it's uh, worthy of expression. Yeah so if someone so I watched the documentary on her recent not documentary the film adaptation there was some film about her very recently I watched it it was fun it was great um is but I was like what if this is true what is it is there like a book or any sort of uh yeah I guess book probably or documentary that that would help someone learn more about her there's a, a new document, newest documentary that's out that I put in, in a few parts, and I I can send you the name. Um, okay. I don't remember the name of yeah. her. And there, of course, a lot of books. Out yeah. There. And I had been able to go to the Brooklyn Museum in 2019, and yeah. they had a big exhibition. That's cool. I was there too. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I remember that? That was a yeah. That was beautiful. Um, um, okay, let me, let's see. So how do you feel, what, what is your take on the relationship between feminism and art? Ah, feminism and art, yes. Well, I didn't really uh, align with the feminist movement as such when mm -hmm. I was younger, um, coming up in the 60s and the 70s because I perceived it as being very, very political and very based on a lot of things to do with women's rights in the world, which is totally valid and needed. But my take on it was a little bit different. I felt that I wanted this liberation of the feminine. Mm -hmm. And that liberation of the feminine is really not 
uh, gender specific either, mm -hmm. although um, we as females embody that and therefore have the, this big chunk. But mm -hmm. nevertheless, the feminine is something that's we're all made up of male and female elements. And mm -hmm. these parts of ourselves, it's almost um, trite to kind of give them sexual identity, yet at the same time for ease of uh, just recognizing them, we could talk about it as, as feminine side. It's been suppressed, the feminine side of our natures. Uh, all of us have had that suppressed for a long time in this very yeah. dominated sort of society. And so I felt that's what needed to come up. And with that, not so much my uh, political agenda, all the, the politics of experience and the um, inner revolution and the, the ownership of our own sensuality and sexuality yeah. and of course at the at, in the early phases it's different now in the early phases uh the the um feminist movement was a little uh i would say kind of sex negative really because we're trying to claim their rights and they felt that this interaction <laughs> maybe was uh, giving your power away or something but i yeah. just felt no we've been shortchanged as women we need to be able to realize that pleasure is our birthright and we need to be able to own and take our right to have pleasure and to be the subject again of our sexual encounters, not the object. Much as I was trying to do in the art form, I wanted to do that in the bedroom as well and say that we, we need to claim that ownership for ourselves. And, stand as fully embodied being that is feminine side of spirituality is ah. that all of it's sacred we are sacred these are our temples and we should take full pleasure in this temple and bring together the idea of being good and doing good they've been separated um you know it's like these uh some kind of goodies two shoes idea rather than the idea that you can feel good you can feel pleasure all of that is something that just should be allowed to flow through and be the spice of life. Yeah, I love that. Um, do you do you feel that the art world? I know it's a hard thing to define, but do you feel that the art world has embraced this idea of female pleasure, or does it still have somewhat of a anti-sex slant? Ah, it's hard to say because you know the art world is a, a complex yeah, uh, organization of, of different things. Um, it's yeah, definitely up and coming. But the the trouble is with the art world, you know, it goes through its phases. It's like what's hot today, what's fashionable, and suddenly you know, female art's fashionable. Suddenly. Being an older female artist is fashionable. But, oh, oh no, that was last year. Now it's um, uh, only transsexuals and only people of color. And, you know, I mean, it's just so fickle, yeah. like that, really. And yeah. so it's very hard to, to, to lean into that as a solidity. And I found mm. the only solidity I can really lean into is my own mm. inspiration and what I have and what I can manifest. Mm. And, um, Hope and pray, of course, if you're going to be able to find the platforms to be able to bring this out into the world and also to receive enough to 
be able to keep going and be yeah. creating. Because that's all I think an artist really wants. If they're a true artist, that's their inspiration, not to pile up riches or any yeah. of those things. They have enough to keep working. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because it's a big love affair. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. It is. Um, I'd love to hear more about this sort of, uh, I guess, body of work or what, what brought you into Tantra-based explorations and artwork. I went to an exhibition in the early 1970s in London called Tantra. Called what? Sorry? Tantra. Okay. Tantra. Tantra. Just one word, Tantra. Right. And it was um, the first time there'd been a big exhibition of tantric art in the UK, and it was at the Hayward Gallery. And it was at a time when I was wondering, where do I fit in in the modern art world? I was so uh, absolutely engaged with surrealism. I mean, yet surrealism as a movement was no longer current. And so I thought, where do I fit? And when I went into this exhibition, I felt as if I had come home. I just recognized, I recognized the art and I saw the connections with surrealism. I saw the animal-headed beings and the multi-armed forms. And I saw all of it, but now taken to a whole next level. Mm. And when I saw this and recognized it and saw how it integrated so many different things too, and it was inclusive and mm. included sexuality and philosophy and physics and astrology and art and the art of love and all of these things, the art of breath, yoga, all these yogas mm. all blending together. I said, yes, it was a big yes. And I said, this is what I want to find out. Mm. So then I went and started looking for how can I find someone who really knows about it from the inside out, being initiated, it's not just looking at books for knowledge, but really knows it. Mm. And then after um, a few years, I was introduced to Nick Douglas, who Jane Arden, who ran the Women's Theatre Group, told me about him before we met, and he said he was the only liberated man she knew. <laughs> well, of course, wow. <laughs> come on, right? I had to meet him. And so when I did, then um, we got together, and we were, that was a relationship that lasted for 20 years, and wow. out of which many creative things including sexual secrets and mountain ecstasy and secret bikini oracle, all these things just sort of bubbled forth in the first years of our being together. Wow. So that's what happened. And then when I had someone who knew about it so deeply, then I could start really working with the material. And it was just a natural progression for me to integrate it. And, and Tantra means to weave and to expand. And so it's weaving together all these threads so I could weave in all my surrealism. I could expand it into this big palette of, of tantra that included all my sexual energy as well as my spiritual energy, as well as my artistic energy, all of it. And so that seemed just the thing to do. That's amazing. How So what is a day like for you creating artwork or not creating, or what was just like a normal day in the studio for you? Well, those days have been different. 
according yeah. to what I'm working on and where I've been living. So, for instance, when I was living in the Caribbean, which I did for 15 years, that day maybe out, I was just looking at a photograph, which is why it's fresh in my mind, um, <laughs> would be out on my terrace, which was uh, the terrace of a Thai house. So we imported these 150-year-old Thai house compounds to Anguilla, which is where we were living, and overlooking Shoal Bay and the beautiful white sand beach and the azure seas, and then with a big eight-foot by four-foot panel that I was painting, recreating the Arawak Indians who used to live there, which was for uh, the airport, an installation for the airport in Anguilla. So that would be me standing on that terrace then. That was my studio there. And then here, at the moment, I'm in downtown LA. I have a beautiful uh, studio, and I'm working mainly currently on my archives because I have a lot of work from all these years, and I'm trying to bring it all together mm. as one big mega artwork mm. because I've always seen my life as art and not just the art being in one box, mm-hmm. but breaking those boxes and how all these different pieces and different medias flow into each other. And so I'm creating the archives and um, reviewing all of these parts of my life. Uh, so wow. sitting at the computer, scanning, uh, recording tapes, doing all that. But that's what I'm doing right now. Wow. That's, so how, do you, how is that archive going to be presented? Well, I have someone who um, can take it to different institutions and understand them all all over the world and see what the best placement Mm. would be for it. So when it's ready to do that, but then I'm trying to digitize all the material that I want to have when that goes, the physical assets go, so that I can still keep working with that. I have some big ideas myself, but we'll see how much time and support I have, how much I can realize. That's really exciting. Um, wow. Um, let's see. What else do I... What other questions do I have? Let me check my questions. Okay, so this is a very, um, I guess, obvious answer, but I'm still going to ask it just to get the record of your answer. <laughs> and the question is, can a woman just be art? Well... Just to be art, I mean, just be art. Of course, and you know, I've seen so many women in my life who are amazing artworks in the way that they present themselves. And it doesn't mean, well, these days it means that they're photographed like hell and selfie photographed like hell. But just as a thing, it just means that that's her way of presenting herself, which is a beautiful art piece. And that uh, is timeless and traditional and has mm-hmm. spread through all of history and all different cultures. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I've taken a slightly more unconventional approach to that rather than having my nails look wonderful. Uh, <laughs> my nails are pretty rough. I have <laughs> tried to present myself as an artwork, often naked because I'm trying to get to the naked truth of things. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to be stylized in the thing that mm-hmm. limits me to a time and place. Every item of clothing has an association like mm-hmm. that. And then also, you know, crack 
even that flexible body open in the way that I do my collages and things. So what's mm. on the inside, what's in the subconscious, mm -hmm. what's in our dreams, what's in our fantasies. Mm -hmm. And um, I feel that is what's so important. And as that, yes, uh, we, we are living art and how we choose to present that living art is up to us. It's a rich and full palette and it has so many different dimensions. Um, mm -hmm. um, in this day and age when it's so easy to work with media, there's so many ways to recording ourselves as art. Okay. Um, the only danger, of course, with putting things out on social media is that people get addicted to likes. And for me, uh, a real artist can't afford to think if anyone likes anything or not. Mm -hmm. They have to do it because they have to do it. And mm -hmm. they have to not care about whether it's liked. Because, again, if you look at the history of art, many of the great artists that you consider great now we're not accepted in that time. And yeah. if we're doing something that's a bit different, it probably isn't going to be accepted straight away. Yeah. And for me, even at this point in my life, I have a lot of work that I've done over the last few years, which I'm struggling hmm. to be able to get out and shown in the public because hmm. they're still wanting to show the work that I did 50 years ago. Mm -hmm. um, and so <laughs> this, right. getting ourselves out there it's it's hard and i know you've worked with the whole idea of this celebrity and for me at this point because i feel the next glass ceiling of uh feminism is ages and as i've kind of known for a long time that i wanted to do something about how the all our elders are perceived particularly as the women particularly mm. women are the wise women years i now i'm at that point where i'm there and so I'm using myself as I often have as my own guinea pig and as my own vehicle to try and show myself. And I've done series now of my naked body now as my muse still to try and crack through this thing of ageism. Because huh. it's one thing when you're a young and beautiful, magnetic, attractive woman, you can do things and you will get the eyes because they can't help it because of that magnetism. Mm -hmm. uh, but now, when you're at this stage of my life, I don't have that. And mm. then I see we become invisible again as women. Mm. But we should be, because we have all this wealth of experience now, which is mellowed like a fine wine, and we need to be able to deliver it. So I'm at the moment, part of my practice is to find platforms. So you are working with me on my practice right now as we speak and as we commune and collaborate together. And collaboration is another really important thing for women right now. But you're helping me in that part of my practice, which is to become visible and to mm. not be invisible as me and my wise woman years, so that then we can open that up for mm. all of us who have this to share, but are rendered redundant by a society yeah. who wants to hide from age rather than yeah. actually see the, the fruits and the treasures that are there in our elders and that richness of experience which we lose and then uh -huh. remain totally immature as a society. Uh-huh. Um what tell me more about tell me more about the riches and jewels and wisdom of age. 
well, I'm not a different person than I've ever been. I've always been the same person, basically. But I have uh, more experience under my belt. And with that experience and with that reflection, there comes, um, you know, it's like the alchemy. I think we're all alchemists here, performing an alchemy mm -hmm. on, on the self, and we've got our raw material. And then hopefully we can refine that enough as we go through our life to produce that gold. So if we're ever going to have some gold, it's now. And, you know, I'm still alive. And there are these riches, and the riches of all that depth and breadth of experience, mm -hmm. and all of which I own, and none of which I deny. Mm -hmm. And so, therefore, I hold a special position which can offer support and lineage because we tend to be lacking in lineage in mm -hmm. our present in society so mm -hmm. i think that this is important and as that opens then hopefully it opens all those other golden threads that are there just waiting to be connected uh -huh. with this support uh-huh i love that um is there how have you found I saw on your website just a bit of digital work. Have you, what do you think about digital work? Um, I guess you're saying you're doing an archive, which one could consider perhaps a digital work, but I'm just curious to hear how, how if you're, if you've really embraced that or it's not so interesting for you. Well, my first three collage books were cut and paste collage. Yeah. Um, but at the, end of that time I felt like hmm, I didn't have a lot more I wanted to explore exactly in that medium like that I thought you know I need more control over things yeah. to take it to another level and then voila along <laughs> came Photoshop and I looked at that on the computer and I'd never been on a computer in the early 90s wow. I looked at this and I was like I have to have it this is the wow. holy grail for a collage artist I've got to be able to use it so since then I work more on the digital platform mm, than I do okay. with the button paste scissors, although occasionally I return to that <laughs> and like huh. compare the different qualities of the two Interesting. But for me, it's always what, what you're trying to say and then the tools yeah. secondary to that. So then I don't understand quite when people maybe have a, a snobism. They used to have a snobism towards collage. Mm -hmm. um, oh, it's bits of paper stuck together. Well, now... That that's now acceptable, um, yeah. but then if we're doing it digitally, well, yes. then no, that's not the same. Exactly, it's all, it's all the same thing. I've used these different media in my life, mm -hmm. and I love working all of them. And it's here, and it's available, and I'm living it this time. So I think I would be silly to not embrace these new technologies to work with them. Um, of course. It's made things like collage so super accessible because <laughs> everybody and anybody can do it. So that has a little bit of a, a cheapening, if you like, mm -hmm. of um, the actual medium. But then that's when what one's practice is and what you're really mm -hmm. trying to do with that becomes more important and that becomes central. And mm -hmm. then it can be all those different things that you use. And I, I think it is very interesting how collage has become such yeah. a proliferated through all of society now. Right, all media right. use it. And yet when I was growing up, it was a little bit in surrealist uh, art and right. otherwise not really a thing at all. That's really interesting. 
I, yeah, I had it thought of that. But yeah, there are now literally just filters you can put on that will collage things together for you. Um, do you, when you're creating your collage, is it, I think you said earlier, it often is like a vision that you're trying to realize. It, is it more of you have the idea in your head and you're trying to make it happen on paper? Or is it more of putting different pieces together and it, it being more random perhaps, but then choosing how it comes out? I think it's a mixture of the two. Yeah. You know, left and right hand brain or something. But you you want to be able to have the vision so you know basically Mm -hmm. what you're wanting and you want to know the kind of elements that you're going to bring into your magic theatre. Yeah. But then when you set up the magic theatre and you let your characters or your bits of paper interact, Mm -hmm. then you want to step back and let them play and then see what can surprise you. Because mm-hmm. you always want that element of something that happens. Yes. And that's the joy of it. I mean, that's the fun part. That's that true. not well enough, and then you allow it back. That's totally true. I feel that, too. The surprise is, like, just so, like, sad. that's just the fun of it often. Right. When, you, when you almost, when it makes, comes up with a world of its own. What are there, so are there any artists in particular now that you're interested in, that you, just that you really like? I know we mentioned like Frida Kahlo and a few of the other artists or a few artists from before. Um, I don't really think that I can sort of name them to such, because there's so many yeah. different uh, women artists yeah. that I see and support and I see them work yeah. on Instagram and a lot of the performance art. Yeah. You know, I really, really like that. And I, I love the, the boldness that we're seeing now, women owning mm. their bodies and using them as art in these presentations. So mm. I, I follow all that and try to support it um, any way that I, that I can. And mm. I have a number of w- younger women artists who are kind of in touch with me. And uh, that that's nice. Oh. I like that. The cross fertilizing energy and have been um, very open to doing collaborations with uh-huh. people so that we can start to model new support systems. For oh, each that's other. cool! We're trying to bring out the best in each other rather than trying to compete with each other. That's cool. That's oh yeah, I love that. Um, is there anything? else that you'd like to add or that I missed asking? Anything else that comes to mind for you? Uh, <laughs> give me give me a hint. It's such a vast open panel. Oh, gosh, a hint. On a direction. How about the biggest lesson you've learned and and sort of advice, let's say, to artists who are coming up now and are, let's say, on the newer end or haven't been recognized, what would your advice be? Well, this is a difficult question (laughs) because there isn't an easy answer in the sense of let's do an equation and say two and two make four 
And if you do this and you do that, you'll get the kind of success that you would like. Mm -hmm. I, I can't say that at all. My work and my life is still a work in progress. I'm still yeah. frustrated in a lot of ways about um, being able to get my work out there in the way that I want to do it. I mean, my dream is to have a big museum show while I'm alive, not after <laughs> yes. yes. I well, agree. I have all these rooms, show all these yes, that would be amazing. How it all interacts together and so mm. an aha mm. moment from the experience, and I'm I'm longing to do that, but as mm. yet that opportunity hasn't happened. So mm. it's really uh, trying to pursue opportunity because also, mm. um, if you are taking on art as your mm, your life rather than just something you do as a hobby on the side, mm -hmm. then there's a lot of infrastructure and support structure that you have to do all the time to stay in the game and to provide what's needed to support you doing that. Mm -hmm. So there is all that. But the main thing I can say really is just what I was referring to earlier. Try not to give a damn about whether people like things. Yeah. It's not only to the people who see your posts on Instagram, but to those galleries that you take work to and they turn you down, all yeah. these different things. We have to remember that the Beatles went to every single record company with their album and were turned down. So that's good. And then, but again, here I am, I'm getting older in my years. So when I die, could be suddenly, oh, she was the greatest thing that there was. Now we know who she is. Or it could be, I'm just forgotten in the annals of history and just some kind of also run in this cultural climate. Mm -hmm. So we don't know, and there's no way we can control the bigger mm -hmm. picture. The only thing we can control is how we manifest ourselves and how yeah. we express what we have in ourselves and how we choose to do that that really nourishes us and nurtures us and gives us a sense of purpose in our life and yeah. that our being has worth and value and yeah. only we can choose that and when we do choose that then okay so it may be hard to get the support you need when you need it but if you find that inner support which comes from making that choice mm -hmm. to really support your dreams and yourself and who you really are, not how society wants you to be, but how you know you are inside. Mm -hmm. And that if you feel compelled, to feel just you have to, a passion to express that. And I would say only choose to do it if you do feel that kind of passion, because otherwise it's hard. But if you've got that passion, then in that comes all that feedback from your inner self and your true heart. That gives you the support that it can take you through all the other life. Oh, I love that. That's a perfect note to end on. Um, thank you so much for talking with me. Um, again, it's just such an honor, and I, I hope, I hope somehow this helps you get that museum show <laughs> sooner yeah. rather than later. <laughs> Maybe someone will be listening. Um, but, yeah, I would love to see that. Well, thank you so much, and I'll be in touch. Thank you. Good. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed talking to you too.
Thank you. Thank you. Bye. This has been the Women as an Art podcast hosted by me, Leah Schrager. Please visit womenasanart.com for more information and to find us on socials. Thanks.